first-person account yesterday from a priest talking about what it was like um, in his situation, the sexual abuse he had to put up with to try to be on the fast track to becoming a priest. Maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, It it seemed pretty clear from that that this is so widespread, so expected, so well-known by so many people. It's amazing that the Catholic Church has not taken this more seriously over the years. Well, that's one of the points that is made quite beautiful, beautifully in Chico Harlan's uh, piece for the Washington Post uh, about Pope Francis summoning bishops to discuss preventing clergy sex abuse at an unprecedented summit. Uh, Mr. Harlan, who is the Rome bureau chief for the Washington Post, joins us now, I believe, from Washington, D.C. Chico, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's our pleasure. And the piece I just finished reading it is uh, is infinitely fair but devastating. When you talk about how clear it is that the problem is, as Jack just said, extremely widespread, uh, an open secret, and, and indeed, you know, the blame could very easily go very, very high up into the Vatican. Right. And then from country to country, you kind of ask yourself, well, where is it happening? I think the answer is it's happening Everywhere. And we know about it only in the places that bother or have the uh, wherewithal to lift up the rock um, and see what terrible things are under there. But, you know, the idea that this is something that is confined only to a a few countries seems like an abject lie that uh, fewer and fewer people are now are now trotting out. Well, before we get ahead of ourselves, why don't you tell us about this um, this summit that Pope Francis has called for? Well, it wasn't a total surprise. There had been some bishops and, uh, and folks um, in both in the U.K. and the U.S. Who had, who had called on the Pope to do this. In fact, there's another Vatican meeting coming up in October on a separate subject. And, and some of those people were saying, well, you know, what's the point of meeting about youth in the church when what we really need to talk about is, is this one issue, and that's abuse. Um, but I think the idea from, from the Vatican was, let's not rush it, let's... Let's make sure we uh, devote the preparation time to to bringing people together from all over the world. Um, but it seems it seems to me obvious that the church does need to hold some sort of um, uh, monumental gathering, but then also figure out what kind of action will spring from it. Just to to bring people together probably would not be enough if they just shake hands and say yes, this is terrible, and and then they leave people will be, again, upset. It might, in fact, just trigger a new round of, of outrage or frustration. Right. So there's a, an element of risk, too, to, to calling something like this and bringing people together. I don't see how you... They got a difficult task ahead of them, and, you know, who cares? I'm sorry you have a difficult task. You shouldn't have so many freaking rapists in your organization you put up with for decades. But um, you'd, you'd have so many people... If you have a gathering of all the powerful, how many of the powerful in that room... At some point, either were doing it themselves or knew it was happening and and played ball so that they're you know they're guilty on some level also. So how are you ever going to fix it with that situation? I don't know. It's it's really the perfect question to ask. But that's the thing: you have an organization or an institution where whose whose hands are clean. Uh, I'm sure there are some people, but I'll bet it ain't but, many. But there are there are more and more people that we know about who have been involved, and and if they uh, if it goes back decades, if it goes back years, it doesn't really matter. Um, but country to country, you're learning about 
cases, people in, in the hierarchy, people in, in Pope Francis's very advisory board, his, his cabinet, who are implicated in, in these kinds of things. Sure. Um, and then this letter, uh, I don't know if you guys have talked about this in the air, but this letter from an archbishop that came out about two weeks ago, you know, it, it, it implies, um, without, without evidence, I should point out, um, that, that Pope Francis himself is one of those people. So, you know, you, you can't really look uh, and find a clean spot right sure. now in the Vatican of somebody who is Mr. Perfect. Sure, I'm saying this without evidence. I find it hard to believe there'd be anybody who didn't at least know of people that were doing this, if not directly participated in some even minor level of cover-up. There, there's probably n- almost nobody. There's, there's nobody that's going to be in that room that said, I had no idea any of this was happening. There won't be one person that could say that. Chico Harlan, the Rome Bureau Chief of the Washington Post, is on the line. And uh, Chico, your uh, colleague Elizabeth Brunig wrote a piece that's uh, terrific about Archbishop McCarrick, who was one of the most powerful archbishops in America and was widely known to be a, uh, a sexual predator um, or at least uh, very sexually active um, and it was an open secret. So, yeah, who 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 on that council can cast the first stone, if I might invoke the Bible, is a hell of a good question. Um, indeed. And and yet there's this paradox that plays out because, OK, here are the facts. McCarrick was uh, one of the most powerful cardinals in the world. He was everywhere. He knew everybody. Um, and and now the narrative seems to be, even within the church, that, yeah, people had to know about him. But nobody stepped forward and said, yeah, I knew, I knew about this. Um, so man-to-man, we still don't know who the protectors of this guy were. Um, we, don't, we, we haven't been able to say, okay, this cardinal, this archbishop, um, this friend of his heard the rumors and didn't act. Right. Uh, and I guess it's up to journalists or investigators um, to to unearth that aspect of it, but I'm pretty certain that that those questions now are among the most urgent in the in the U.S. Catholic Church. Yeah, as a as a human being, I'm surprised there aren't more human beings in the Catholic Church that have come forward and said, you know, something like, "I, I knew this was going on. I should have said something a lot earlier, but this is just disgusting. He did it. He did it. He did it. He knew about it. All these people need to go." This is ridiculous. Right. What a beautiful illustration of the exercise of and fear of power. Um, you know, it strikes me as a fan of political history and, 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 you know, comparative politics, the governments around the world, that often when a country is in this sort of situation, you grant amnesty to mm. anybody who will come clean. Good point. It's the only way to move forward. Uh, but, uh, you know, speaking purely for myself, this is editorial. I, I don't trust the Catholic Church to handle that right at all. To let everybody off the hook in the name of a pure oh, new no, future. Absolutely not. So what the hell are you going to do? Chico not. Harlan of the WAPO is online. You know, one final note that I found really interesting in your article I was totally unaware of was that in 2015, uh, Francis slash the Vatican said they would set up a tribunal for judging bishops accused of negligence or cover-ups, and it was never created. Yeah, this is a big point of contention for people who have been following kind of the the blow-by-blow developments on this. But, you know, Francis, uh, to a lot of acclaim, set up a, an advisory board, I guess you could say, it, on, uh, to guide him on the issue of sex, sex abuse. He did this at the beginning of, um, of his pontificate. And the, 
the group has had many of its own problems, defections, people leaving out of frustration, saying that they were being blocked by um, other bureaucrats in the Vatican. But this was their biggest proposal, setting up this tribunal. Um, and then again, to a lot of fanfare, Francis said, okay, let's green light it. Uh, and then with, with silence or near silence, the proposal died about a year later. Now, there are some people who say for various reasons that it wasn't feasible, um, but the people on the commission who, um, who left say otherwise and, and are, are quite adamant that the Vatican needed a process with more transparency to deal with people who were accused of you know these really grave, these yeah, grave they, things. They, they still don't take it seriously. I mean, they, they certainly haven't convinced me that they're taking it as seriously as they should. The idea that they're going to get together and talk about something else and this, no, you have one thing that you need to fix, and it should be this. And it should be the highest priority for the entire church, top to bottom, to deal with this now. You're raping children around the world. How, how do you not make that your top priority? Yeah, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Anyway, Chico Harlan of the Washington Post, Rome Bureau Chief. Chico, we sure appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, thanks. So uh, the, this other article that I read last night, it's got a first-person account of this guy who wanted to become a priest, and uh, Joe mentioned this dude, McCarrick. He is the archbishop. So it, it, to become a priest, it's reminded me so much of the Hollywood thing. If you want to get a movie made, if you want to be big in Hollywood, you got to play ball with Harvey Weinstein. We right. all knew it. Yeah. Well, to be a priest, this McCarrick guy, if you're going to be a priest in his you know, domain, you had to play ball with him. And they all knew it. And they talked amongst themselves. And look. He's going to make a move on you. You got to have a plan. Yeah. They all knew it. And so, and he showed up to this retreat, which of course is a swimming opportunity. So they're going to be in swim trunks and everything like that. And he had a plan of how he was going to try to come up with an excuse to get out of there before he got put in the position that other friends that he knew had had happen. He knew he couldn't just flat out reject the guy or he would not become a priest. That would be the end of your career. Right. Now, this is distinct from child touching. Oh, sure. This, this is a McCarrick, grown man. Uh, This McCarrick is the college professor who lets you know you have to have sex with me if you want to pass my class, and you got to ca- pass my class to get your degree. Right. So it's predation. It's yeah. sick. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's a different yeah, you know, yeah. brand of it. Yeah, absolutely. These are, these are grown men. Uh, and it even says in the article that there's not near as much um, sympathy for grown men choosing to go along with this, but... I don't know if you if you say it that strongly, then you're saying you don't have much sympathy for grown women who are going along with the Harvey Weinstein. Sure, thing. you're an adult. Get another job. You can choose to have sex or not. Or no, you go to another college. Your entire life, all you've ever wanted to be is a priest, and now you found out you find out you got to let this old guy touch you up however he wants to if you want to become a priest. Mm. And so he ended up on the beach um, with this uh, McCarrick, and uh, he thought, oh boy, here it comes, and. Um, and uh, McCarrick says, the other priest, why don't you all go swimming? I'm going to talk to Jimmy here for a while. And, and thought, okay, here we go. And then he yeah, had his boy. hands. Guy puts his hands down his pants immediately as oh, soon as they all head off to the ocean. And oh, then at boy. some point, and he doesn't get into detail, and he doesn't need to, but at some point he said, I just realized I had no choice and I gave in. If I wanted to become a priest. Wow. Because he says to you, he says to you as a, as a priest wannabe, Look, nobody comes a, becomes a priest unless I get to know them really well. I just I really like to know people before I decide that you're okay for the priesthood. Well, you know what that means. Enough said. Yeah, that's Bravo. all there is to to it. Isn't that incredible? And everybody knew it. And, and this it, guy yeah, rose up and up and up and up. Part and up. of the deal. Yep. And so you're going to get a whole bunch of those people together and fix the problem. 
That's what you're going to do. No way. I don't know. I don't know what the answer would be. If you got a room full of powerful people who are all involved, like you said, I suppose you could give them amnesty and say we're starting over as of now. Yeah, but there's a certain amount of trust involved in a program like that. And I don't know about you. I ain't got any. Right. Michael, I was really rooting for a little uh, Judas Priest for the aging metalheads in the audience. This is good. It's very good. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. <laughs> Especially, well, we'll come back with some Judas Priest and I'll finish that thought. Still enjoying the text from people of things you have, inanimate objects you have either yelled at, punched, or thrown. <laughs> at 415-295-KFTC, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. announced the new iPhones today. Although I'll be honest, Apple has spoiled us so much, right? These launches don't really feel exciting anymore. It's like, yeah, screens are bigger, the phone can predict when I'm gonna die, whatever. (laughs) Like if Apple wants me to pay attention, they should bring back, they should just bring out Robert Mueller in a turtleneck, that's what they need. (laughs) Him walking out like introducing the 2018 indictments. (laughs) This changes everything. Wow, wait a minute, that was dangerously close to a reference to Mr. Thrump. It's a Thrump-free Thursday. So the screens... Thanks for the Judas Priest, by the way. Not only does it have the word priest in it, but it's notable because lead singer Rob Halford of that eminent British metal band was dressed like a leather biker gay guy for his entire career, and nobody knew he was gay. And when he finally came out, he said, How'd you all not notice? (laughs) It was so obvious. Back in the day. Back in the day. Um... So the new iPhones, the screen is significantly bigger with this phone being the same size. They've taken the screen clear to the edges all the way around. Where's the home button? Uh, there ain't no home button. It's what? Gone. How do I go home? They took that off. How do you do it? Is it all facial recognition? Uh, no, there's there are... So the whole screen kind of taps now. There's this kind of haptic tap response that they mentioned a bunch where you can kind of press on various points of the screen and it works similarly just to like your regular touch screen. Does it read my thumb? Uh, no, no, the the thumbprint thing is gone with the... Uh, what, so do I have to button. type in a password all the time then? Uh, either that or facial recognition. The thing oh, that okay. they were really leaning in is you just look at your phone and it turns on. Like So they're really leaning into that okay, aspect Okay, well, if it, it works, that's fine with me. That's fine with me. It's going to constantly You're say... You're a practical man. It's going to keep saying, why is your nose so red? But Anna, <laughs> I'll get used to it. <sighs> do you hear about the uh, two Russian bombers? Flew right up to Alaska. Before inter- being intercepted by a pair of our brave Air Force boys in their F-22s. That old Putin, he never rests. Hmm. He never stops pushing. Keep pushing. Probing, and, and this is a classic example of the, uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> you got two brothers, and one punches the other one purely so he can then negotiate something for him in order to stop punching. Oof. So, Yeah. All right. Hey, you better quit doing that, Putin. You better quit. All right. Look, all I want is this in return. Mm. And he gets that. It's the the bullying big brother technique. Well, there are pictures of it. That's crazy. There's the the Ruski bomber, nuclear capable. I'd hope so. Um, 
No, we just chuck rocks out of this one. Big, heavy rocks. Man. So the uh, the new Apple products, the only thing that caught my eye, the, the camera's even better in that it's going to have some of the bokeh, they call it, the background stuff that real cameras have. They get that figured out. There'll never be another camera sold in the world. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. On, on 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 real photography from a real camera, like a real high end camera, mm-hmm. they, I take a picture of your face. The background's just kind of a a soft blur. Mm-hmm. It has you to know? do with the depth of the photo yeah, and what yeah. is in focus and what is not. It takes right? it takes super great lenses to pull that off, but they're doing it somehow with the technology because you can't fit the super great lens on the phone. But yeah, mm-hmm. look look at a high end picture. That's well, yeah, I, I I'm familiar with the concept. I just yeah. didn't know the term. I I actually have a setting for that on my camera that does it automatically, but. Yeah, I've never used it. I don't know. Is this as good as a real camera? I think my pictures are really no, I'm talking good. talking about my real camera. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Real cameras do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's what the, the, that's the, the only advantage they still have. Yeah, when, wow. you, when you see a photo from a real camera, then you're, oh, yeah, that's right. I only look at iPhone photos because it's noticeably better. How the hell did they get those ones on the billboards? Those amazing taken with an iPhone. I take all sorts of pictures. They don't look that good. Yeah. I mean, I can't get that clarity. You must be. I, t- I tried to take a picture of some turkeys the other day. They're in our front yard. They're like nine or ten brown turkeys and the magical white turkey. The, the it's lo- like the white. I'm not done with Sorry. my riff. It's like the white buffalo worshipped by the native peoples. And I was convinced that it was some sort of magical omen. And I, I, I zoom it. I take a picture. And it, it could be cats. It could be yeah. a target. And I know how to tap it and make it focus on something. It's Congratulations. Just, it's incredibly blurry. It sucks. That picture's not going on any billboard. So the the camera that the battery life they say is better. They say that every time I've never noticed my my battery life getting better. You but can replace it for $29. Somebody who does that? People who are someone, not you. Anyone, <laughs> everyone polls. You can do you can take it into. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I, but can I show up to a, po- a, a, a store and they'll do that right now, or do I have to leave well, it there for swap a week? Swap that beach out. That's all you gotta say. <laughs> You'll probably have to show up, make an appointment for two weeks yeah, later, and then, yeah, that I, sort of stuff. I, it's gonna stymie me. One of the new things they were doing with the pictures How is... How come they can't make it so that I can just open it up, send me a battery, I put the new battery in, and I'm off and running? Because then you couldn't drop it in your toilet. Right. Like the new ones. You can now take a composite of, like, if I snap five pictures in a row of you... The program will now pick out the best resolutions or the best parts of each of those photos and composite them into a single finished photo. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's freaky. Yeah, so like, so that if you have right. a, a good picture where somebody's blinking, it'll take the one where that person's eyes is open and match it with the one where everyone else's eyes are open. If I had a new battery, I might not ever get another new phone again in my life. It's only the battery that drives me out, out of my phone. Pain in the ass. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we've got a mysterious observatory evacuation that is sparking alien conspiracy theories. We've got the Russian poisoning suspects speaking out. And the 60 Minutes executive producer fired. We have the text that brought him down. Ooh, must be pretty dirty, pretty steamy. It's probably not okay for the children to hear. Stay tuned if you dare. Yeah, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Still getting these texts. I once threw a fax machine across the room into the wall for not feeding the paper right. Right. That sort of thing will make you very angry. I'll teach it. Uh, <laughs> um, somebody, oh, darn, I lost it. I'll have to recapture it. 
Uh, I threw the remote control at our big screen TV in the bedroom because my wife wouldn't turn it off while I was trying to sleep. Now when you turn on the TV, it looks like Charlotte's Web on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I don't think, yeah. Hmm. Well, again, you're not going to throw it at her. Right. You threw it at the tube. It's probably, if you have to release some frustration, a good thing. Right. The question might be whether if you have that level of frustration, if that's a good thing. Well, science has proven that swearing relieves not only pain, but anger. It's an adaptive response. And actually re- re- releases the uh, the painkillers in your brain. Right. So, yeah. It's like giving your shot a painkiller. Huh. I saying, think my wife would probably get tired of it. If saying I... M-effer actually is like taking a couple of Advil. You got some pain. Yeah, I'm trying to be more zen about my uh, painful condition I'm dealing with right now. Um, maybe I should yell MF <laughs> What do you think, honey? I think Why don't you text me? <laughs> probably loses its juice after you overuse it too much. Oh, I got a million of them. I'd, I'd switch them around. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, of course, it's another Trump-free newscast. So we get to a story that's gotten a lot of traction over the last few days, especially rumors swirling and authorities tight-lipped following the evacuation of an observatory in southwest New Mexico last week. The National Solar Observatory in Sunspot was evacuated last Thursday along with the nearby post office, and it's remained closed since without explanation. Now, the FBI reportedly is involved, but they're not commenting. The FBI is? Yes. The local sheriff... Clearly a UFO landing. I mean, isn't it, what else could it be? I said it must be. The local sheriff said he saw a Blackhawk uh, helicopter, and the FBI showed up very quickly. They're wow. not telling him anything at all. So a solar observatory. Yes. Initially, I thought, what are they, like, check on solar system? No, they're looking at the sun. Yes, solar flares, that uh, kind of thing. The FBI and a Blackhawk helicopter, and it's shut down. That's something's going and on the there. the post office is, too. Yep. Of course, they might be running a giant meth thing out of there or something like that. Yeah, true to It doesn't have to be aliens, I suppose. Right, right. There is no... I tell you what, if there are aliens <laughs> on the sun, we're effed. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, no apparent timetable for when the observatory will be reopened or the post office. According to the facility's website, the observatory and the surrounding area is closed until further notice due to unforeseen circumstances. Most annoying thing about an alien invasion from the sun is it'd be like 120 degrees, and you'd say, man, it's hot. And they'd say, this isn't hot. You want hot? Right. Be like somebody from Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. Since the, it's hot for me. Shut up. <laughs> since, <laughs> since then, the, hey, Minnesota, you got your own sins. You, if you call know this cold? Yeah. Yeah, we I know. Don't, I don't want to hear it. Since the closure, <laughs> the news has spread nationwide with headlines showing up like, I'm definitely not saying it's aliens, and lighting up internet message boards with fervor and much speculation. Mm. But we do know it's been closed, and, and the feds are not talking at all. Two men wanted by British authorities for the poisoning incident involving that former Russian spy and his daughter in Salisbury in England are speaking out. Alexander Petrov and uh, Russian uh, Borshov told uh, the uh, Russian TV's editor-in-chief they had nothing to do with the poisoning. No, nothing at all. Them. And they say they're now scared to go outside after the U.K. pointed them as Russian intelligence agents on a kill mission. Yeah, I'd be scared, too. Um, so the Putin launched a chemical attack against British citizens and a um, microwave attack against U.S. citizens scrambling their brains. Well, and did you hear one of the, uh, the guy from Pussy Riot, the guy who ran onto the uh, soccer pitch at the World yeah. Cup? 
He's now gravely ill in the hospital. He's like 29 years old. Yeah. And all of his buddies suspect of poisoning. Wow. I've come to admire that. That's not a band. It's a human rights performance art group. Yeah. And they've done some incredibly brave stuff, including recently. And this guy got a belly full of polonium-6 or whatever that stuff is. Or so, so it would appear. CBS News reporter Jerrica Duncan says she felt threatened when 60 Minutes boss Jeff Fager sent her a text message to be careful when she questioned him about reports that he tolerated an abusive environment at the news magazine. His text read in part, quote, If you repeat these false accusations without any of your own reporting to back them up, you will be held responsible for harming me. Be careful. There are people who've lost their jobs trying to harm me. And if you pass on these damaging claims without your own reporting to back them up, that will become a serious problem. Fager was fired Wednesday, apparently, over that message. He's characterized his language as harsh, but didn't think he'd lose his job over it. I'm confused by this story. I read it a couple of times, yep. and I'm still confused by it. What's at the so core? He, what are what are these scurrilous accusations that we're talking and about? He that grabbed it, somebody's boob, or what he did? I understand those, or, or a mean boss, or or what? Um, yeah, I'm a little mystified. I mean, CBS chucked him. So New Yorker reporting he groped women over the years okay. and allowed a boys' club atmosphere at the news magazine. Right, that second one's horse crap, Marshall. Don't traffic in horse crap. You're better than that. The Come bo- on, boys' club atmosphere. Yeah, that's that's. I just know it's so vague. Place. Yeah, well, sixty minutes. Uh, I'll tell you, has had a reputation for the many, many, many years as being a boys' club, going back to the early days when legendary correspondent uh, Mike Wallace went up to female co-workers and unfastened their bras. Now there's really? an allegation. Yes. Yeah, you really shouldn't probably do that in the workplace. Hell, no. I can't when I want to. <laughs> I salute as a adept finger work. I, um, I, I've been given sixty minutes the side eye ever since I learned about Steve Cross. Steve Croft's champagne habits. That's right. Oh, oh, yeah. We've forgotten that story. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And I'm, I'm a wine guy, and I'm telling you, that's not going to help. <laughs> Google it, kids. No, kids don't Google it. Parents Google it. There Merchant Marines Google it. You're the only people who should Google it. <laughs> that's a wrap. That you're proctologist. <laughs> There's a hint, everybody. <laughs> I'm Marshall. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show. The conscience of the nation. That's right. We all spend more money than we think on our vices. The snapshot of American spending on stuff like, uh, you know, Speaking Starbucks, restaurants, except that sort of stuff. And uh, we all do it more than we think. If you ever sat down and ever actually add that, I haven't done it in years. Back when I was poor, I used to do it now and then, and I'd realize, oh my God, I'm spending $30 a month at the vending machine, you know, that sort of thing. It's a good exercise. Yeah. Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Wiped the footprints off my dash, tore up those sun-faded photographs, threw them in the wind, y'all can have her back. I'm out of here. There's one unhappy country singer right there. Uh, how you doing? Just got a text from a friend of mine about what he's just spent on his daughter's class ring. 
I've been for some reason I've had in my mind lately get rich quick schemes. I don't know why. I've just been trying to think of one. Um, that is a great get rich scheme that somebody came up with. Convince the world that having a high school class ring is important, and then everybody gets them. Oh man! And they and it's like one country is jo- a company. Does Johnston still rule the class ring biz like oh. they used to? But oh, yeah, um, it, it's you know it, you made it up. It doesn't exist, but you made up this idea that everybody's got to have these and. Gazillions of dollars get spent. At what age is it sad to still be wearing your high school class ring? Is it nineteen? Yes. Okay. Boy, it's it's sad. It's yeah. It's certainly borderline, if not clearly sad at nineteen. Anything past that, you're definitely into. Oh my God, get away from me, territory. There's something wrong with you. Mm. I mean, so yeah, it's a very short window of time. But need a friend of mine just texted me what he had to spend on his daughter's class ring, and it's like, wow. So I didn't know that was still a thing, but. Good yeah. scam, though. Great scam. Oh, yeah. You need to invent something. You invent something. Come wristbands. The, what's the markup Class on this? wristbands. Everybody gets them. It's a cherished memory. You'll look back on this years from now. Sure, you'll your keep class this wristband. for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's very important. You give it to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Class hat. <laughs> you don't have a class hat. <laughs> class belt buckle. <laughs> yes. You're more rodeo-prone regions of the country. Got to have a big old class belt buckle. Right. Uh, how much Americans spend on financial vices? They got the averages, but I think as a percentage of your income, that's where it gets the most interesting. Because when I was uh, when I didn't have no money, the idea of uh, buying coffee at a coffee shop would have just been, why would I do that? That's crazy. I'll wait till I get home. Now I can afford it a little more easy. I'm more likely to do that. But um, thirty eight percent of us dine out at least three times a week. Wow. So dang near 40% dine out at least three times a week. Boy, that is a huge expenditure. Oh, yeah. Even if you eat cheap. Eating out is a quickly well, expensive. You go to the dollar menu at T-Bell. What was that story that T-Bell was voted the best Mexican restaurant in America? Or Democracy something? can never work. Yeah, please. <laughs> it's doomed. Anyway. <laughs> it was not. No, it, it was. was. Yeah, it was. That was an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, the, get that info for okay. me. I want to hear. I want to hear who did that. You know, other than the fact that it's not the best and it's not Mexican, it's <laughs> um, a good vote, everybody. Way to go, public! It's crap and it's not Mexican food. Other than that, it you know makes perfectly. It's good yummy food. crap. Careful. I've never had Taco right. Bell, so. Yeah, yeah. Careful. <laughs> I've always found there's a price to pay later with the cheap menu. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so while Sean's searching for that, 25%, one out of four people buy at least three prepared drinks a week. So the popular fast food restaurant was named America's best brand in the Mexican restaurant category by the Harris Poll. Oh, and the Harris Poll is a big polling organization. Surveyed more than 77,000 consumers. Wow, so this is just, this is America. This is what you need to know. That's America. You want to know what America is? America is people that voted for Taco Bell as the best Mexican restaurant. What, what do you do with that information? Whether you're you're a politician or you're selling shoes or just trying to make your way in the world, what do you do with that? Maybe information? if other restaurants had the delicious Mexican pizza, they would be be eligible and compete in some some of these. The what? The Mex- Signed Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> the what now? No other Mexican restaurant has a taco shell made out of Doritos. Hmm? As the great Abraham Lincoln once said, God must love the common people. He made so many of us. Yeah, good point. 
Um, so uh, one out of four of us buy prepared drinks at least three times a week. Also really expensive and completely unnecessary. Oh, my God. You can forget your problems for a tiny fraction of that at home. Well, they're, they're talking coffee and smoothies. Oh, I went right to the cocktail. Yeah. They're, no, they're talking coffee and smoothies. So your Starbucks, your Jamba Juices, mm. that sort of thing. Um, the restaurants, some people are making the argument, well, in the modern world, we're all so busy. And I, are we or did we make ourselves this busy? But um, uh, at least you could make some argument for why you, why you meet out. You don't need to get your coffee or your fruit smoothie somewhere else. That's purely an indulgence. Right. And uh, and we all do it. Yeah, the whole we're so busy thing. Man, I'd love to waste an hour of people's time discussing that. Um. Well, Maybe on the podcast someday. I, yeah, I read that quote from uh, this this book I was reading about. What doesn't matter what I was reading about, but it was from 1930. And this woman said to a guy at a party about how wouldn't it have been great to live as our grandparents did when we weren't all so worried about, so busy and mm-hmm. running around when we had time to just relax. And right, right. Every generation likes to, uh, to, to feel like we're just so much busier. Well, how much of that is a choice? Well, right. If you were, quote unquote, too busy to, to cook... You know, not too very very long ago, you'd have starved because that was really your only alternative, or you'd have eaten a lot of raw food, or you'd have had a lot less money. I mean, just just uh, eating out is so expensive, right? So you design your life to not have time to cook because you don't have to. That's part of it. Um, and ten percent purchase lottery tickets, and so you can own a home that is two and a half times as large as your grandparents. Uh, on and on. 10% of people purchase lottery tickets at least three times a week. I don't ever do that. I don't. Because you're better than us. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's one of those things that I definitely have a judgment on. If you buy lottery tickets, you're an idiot. That's my belief. You still don't understand. <laughs> it's entertainment. It's cheap entertainment. Uh, helps the schools, Jack. Yeah, and helps. Exactly. Oh, what? That's what it's What? For. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of people. Not exclusively, because nothing's exclusively. But I'm at the convenience store a lot. Why? Because I have to buy bottled water because my my wife doesn't want us to drink the well water. So I buy bottled water. I have to go there at least once a week to get the big bottle of water. I'm at the convenience store. But the people in line are always buying. Always. And I can say always because it's always. <laughs> Cigarettes, lottery tickets, and some sort of energy drink with too much caffeine. That's only thing people are in line for at the convenience store. None of those three things are good for you. <laughs> Cigarettes, an energy drink, and lottery tickets. And the government's going to take your money and give it to them. And they uh, and and regularly they scratch them off right there in the desk or on the hood of their car, and then have that sad look. Oh my God, I got to go back to my regular life. Look on their face when they didn't win the big jackpot, which is a sucky way to live, man. It's just a sucky way to live. It seems to me. Um, so as a percentage of income on doing this, that's where it gets more interesting. Households in the lowest income bracket, earning under thirty thousand dollars a year, they spend thirteen percent of their income on those financial vices. Just, you know, it's just doing the math. They don't do it much less. They just spend a higher percentage of their income because of the math, obviously. Hmm. So if you make more than $75,000 a year, you're spending 2.6% of your income on average. It's a regressive tax. It definitely is. I mean, that's why I didn't buy stuff like that. It's entirely voluntary. Yeah, exactly. I didn't buy that sort of stuff when I was poor. You can do it however you want. I don't care. Just don't ever ask for my money when you're old if you run out of money. If you were buying Starbucks your whole life. Um, Amen to that, man. But other than that, I don't care. Go ahead. The more fortunate need to help out the less fortunate. Spend your money on whatever you want. I spend money on all kinds of things that you would think were idiotic. 
we get to do that. It's one of the great things of being an American, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but that's something. So the the households that are spending 13% of their income on eating out smoothies and coffee and lottery tickets don't need any of those. Your life would not be any worse. In fact, in a number of ways, it would be better if you eliminated all of those. Because eating at home um, has all kinds of advantages. Sure. Health. I, I think your opportunity for all y'all to be together and have kind of a normal family dinner obviously goes way up at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's 13% of your household income. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. I like the Jack Armstrong uh, method of Social Security where you have a long, grilling under oath of all the old people about all their financial decisions through the years. And if you did stupid stuff your whole life, then you got to explain to me, now, why should I take their money from them and give it to you? It's amazing that we don't do that. Yeah, well, it'd be complicated, I realize. And who wants the government intrusion on your lifestyle? But... Right. You know, it fits in with the whole financial collapse too big to fail thing, really. Not being not being punished for your uh, making mistakes. Uh, to a large extent. Yeah. That which you subsidize, you get more of. Yeah. Oh, well. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to get a lottery ticket, a smoothie, and a cup of coffee. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.